When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and today we have a special guest who had been a financial advisor for 25 years before she decided in 2015 to move on to 2.0 of her life and to help people rock their retirement. Kathy Klein is on a mission to help seniors have a better retirement. Throughout her career, she noticed some clients who had very little income having wonderful retirements and others, some of whom were very wealthy, who didn't seem to be enjoying life and in fact were getting sick. After thinking about the best way to help others, the show Rock Your Retirement was launched in April 2016. It's not about money. It's not about insurance. It's about how to rock your retirement. And there are a laundry list of different ways in which Kathy's going to help us do that. So Kathy, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Thanks so much, Eric. What a wonderful day it is to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, my, my pleasure. And, you know, our audience, our, our audience is growing um, uh, exponentially, which is wonderful. And um, for our folks, one of the things that we, we encourage people to do is never to retreat and to make sure that retirement is something to move toward instead of moving away. Um, you were a financial advisor for 25 years. I have uh, 25 plus years of, of experience doing what I'm doing. And so, you know, we can put on our financial advisor hat, but Quite frankly, I think we want to put on some rah-rah hat today, too. So tell us about Rock Your Retirement and, and you know, a little bit more about how you got motivated to leave the financial advisory business. Well, I had been, as you said, a financial advisor for 25 years. And actually, if you want to know a secret, I'm still technically a financial advisor. I am completely retiring from that field by the end of this year. I've already notified my few remaining clients. But what happened was I got married in 2008. And at that time, I probably could have retired. But I decided that, you know, I still like to work. I had, you know, probably just like you, I've been saving all my life. I am not exactly a part of the FIRE movement, but I follow it. Are you familiar with the FIRE movement? I absolutely am, and, and there's certainly pros and cons to the, to the strategy, but I love the energy of it. Absolutely. And so when I was younger, my, my father had already, he had always told me to save 10% of what I make and put 10% into a charity, a church, whatever, and live off the rest, and that's what I did. And so I was always sort of I felt far ahead of all my friends who were buying a new car every few years, uh, going to expensive restaurants, drinking the $12 glasses of wine when they went out. I always lived a bit frugally, not as frugal as the fire movement. <laughs> right. Well, but, because you actually went out to eat. Exactly. <laughs> right. But I was amazed when I saw this movement, how people were saving 50% of their incomes. I really had never thought about that. But anyway, a few years ago, whenever it was 2016, I came up with the idea that I was going to start a podcast. And I 
I actually don't remember what the epiphany was, but it was like you said um, in the introduction that I had seen all all of my clients. Some of them were having these really fantastic retirements. Some weren't really having a great retirement at all, even though they'd saved plenty of money. And I was trying to figure out what the difference was. And it came to how they were living their lives, really. And a lot of the people who have trouble with retirement are the type A personalities. And that's kind of my personality. I'm kind of a type A person. I uh, like to get things done go, 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 do, do, do. And I was thinking, what's going to happen when I finally retire? Am I going to have a a terrible retirement like some of these others? And so I started researching, started the show. And really, the show has been a way for me to try to help myself retire. And it's been going now since 2016. I have made an announcement that I'm going to Um, cut back a little bit on the show, not retire from the show, but maybe perhaps not do it on a weekly basis, especially when, uh, you know, with this COVID-19 has come around, (laughs) soon to be (laughs) COVID-20. Oh, gosh, I hope not. I (laughs) I certainly hope not. (laughs) Well, we're about halfway through the year as we record this. I'm not sure if you record and then uh, release the episodes the same week or if you're kind of like me where you batch the episodes. But for me, you know, I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know how long this is going to last. Yep. I I don't think any of us know how long it's going to last. And it sounds like the podcast was a perfect side hustle for you. That's another piece of the fire movement is that making sure that you have a soft landing. Um, Kathy, I want to ask you, I I have historically, um, anecdotally at least, realize that the most successful retirees, and I don't mean financially successful, I mean the people who thrive in retirement have three things in common. One of them is that they're debt-free. One of them is that they have their health. And one of them is that they have a reason to get out of bed in the morning that, it, that creates enthusiasm for them. Um, am I missing anything? Is there, is there a, a fourth that I've, that I've overlooked? Or, or what do you think of, of my particular list? Your list is wonderful. It's perfect. The list that I have really doesn't have anything to do with money. Because in my podcast, I kind of assume that everybody who listens to my podcast has already spoken to you. They've already spoken to a financial advisor. They've already got their finance set. So in my world, I am assuming probably wrongly, but I'm assuming that they're already, they have a handle on their debt. But you're absolutely right. How can you have a good retirement if you are laden down with with debt? That kind of uh, works into one of my pillars, which is the spiritual side of retirement. I recommend that people get a few areas of their life set, one being spiritual, which how can you be spiritual if you are laden with debt? And a lot of us Americans are. Another would be family. You've got to get it right with your family. A lot of us do not have good relationships with members of our family. Your health is certainly one of the pillars. Reason to get out of bed, I call that your purpose. So we all need one, whether it's paid work, volunteer work, working on the podcast as I do. And by the way, that's not a side hustle for me. I I have never made money off the show. 
Although I do have some cute little ads, but they've never actually supported the show. Significant other and friendships. Is that six? I think that I have six pillars. Did I did I list off six? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because the, your, your one sheet, your bio has um, what look like six pillars, but I'm not sure that they're it, phrased exactly the way you put it. But I, I think ultimately... You know, you talked about the social and family piece, the the friends. Um, you, you talked about um, purpose, which I think is real important. One of the other things on here you, you've listed is things like entertainment and travel, which mm. in 2020 has become incredibly difficult. Um, you know, lots of people, lots of people who said, "Oh, I'm going to retire and travel the world," are not leaving their their living room right now, and that's that's difficult. Um, you talked about volunteering and philanthropy, which we definitely definitely are, are in harmony on that. I think it's real important to have not only a purpose for yourselves and your family, but for your community uh, and for ways, whether it's, uh, whether it's, as you mentioned, um, you know, whether it's a church or religious organization or whether it's a, whether it's a, an educational or medical or whatever the, the cause that's near and dear to you. Um, you mentioned helping your parents and kids at the same time. Right. That the was sandwich generation. <laughs> yeah. Which, Oh, would it ever, that is our audience. Our, our primary audience, and in fact, even the folks we represent at BFG, most of them are sandwich generation folks. They look a little bit like me. I've got parents in their late 70s, early 80s that I have to worry about. I've got a 10-year-old, um, and I'm working 50, 60 hours a week and, and trying to make sure that we hit financial independence too. So the sandwich generation is a real thing, um, and as longevity improves – um, I think we have to make sure quality of life impl- improves, not just quantity of life, don't you think? Absolutely. And man, I feel for you, you know, having your your parents and your kid and your work and everything. I, I can't even imagine how people have been dealing with everything that's happening in the world right now with all of the other stressors. I'm lucky that uh, I live a fairly uncomplicated life. But I just, I just can't imagine how you and the rest of the world, with all of the extra, you know, I don't have children. So for me, that's one thing that I didn't have to worry about as far as, you know, having the child staying home and trying to homeschool. Of course, that, you know, being childless has its own issues. <laughs> yeah, no, but, it sure does. I, I, I just can't imagine, you know, what you've been going through over these well, last you know, few months. You, you you know you mentioned that you that you felt lucky to have a relatively simple life. Um, I would not call it luck. I I think you've you've probably been not only mission driven, but your life is probably much more des- by design than you admit to yourself. I mean, ultimately, I, I think a lot of those things are decisions that you make. Um, sometimes they're made for you by biology or other things, but in in general, it sounds like you've designed your life to be. I won't call it footloose and fancy free, Kathy, but I will call it I will call it simple, relatively speaking, if that's if that's a fair word to assess it. Uh, and it's I think it's not an accident. I don't think it's luck. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that's so. I mean, with my work, being a financial advisor in the past, uh, working with Medicare insurance now, it's really a job that I can do remotely, and I have been doing this type of work remotely for many, many years, and working with a remote team as well. I guess I was remote before it was cool. But, um, you know, those are the some of the things that your listeners are going to have to decide. How do I want my life to look? 
And what can I do now while I'm still working to make that transition as easy as possible? You know, what I've noticed is that people who own their own business, people who have a high-powered, C-level position, this is just anecdotal uh, observation, they have a harder time than people who maybe were teachers or, you know, worked for the government. I found that people who have those type of positions, maybe with a pension, perhaps it's because those government jobs have a much easier time retiring. You know, they're able to walk away and have a little bit less stress. Now, of course, there's always the exception to the rule, and these are just rules that I have observed. This is not like a, a study with 500,000 people, but that's that's my observation. I think you're right, and I think pensions make a huge difference for the very small percentage of Americans who have them. Um, and, you know, it, it used to be, as, as you well know, uh, having been involved in our industry for so long, the, the concept of the three-legged stool of retirement financially was always you had your Social Security, you had your pension, and then you had whatever personal savings you had amassed. And years ago, I, I've, seen, I've seen histories of this where years ago the, the estimate was you needed to save about 10%. For yourself, and I don't mean 10% a year, I mean you had to be able to provide for about 10% of your income to retire comfortably. Well, now it's 80, 90%. Um, you know, the three legged stool has been replaced by a yo yo, which is you're on your own. Um, most folks don't have pensions, and those who do, particularly in the, in the private sector, they're not secure. They really, I mean, you look at what happened with the steel industry or the airlines or, I mean, IBM stopped, stopped having uh, contributions to the pension and froze it. If, if you have big companies that, that have these, these, um, these pension plans and you intend to work for them for the long period of time, uh, th- that's a huge, huge risk that you're taking now, unfortunately. And people with pensions did have greater, not only security, but comfort in retirement. You're absolutely right. Right. But in today's world, I pretty much consider that pensions are basically only from government jobs. And there are still a few private companies that that have sectors or that have pensions, but the majority of them really are government jobs. And it's kind of my observation that people with government jobs don't necessarily take the stress of that job home with them. Now, of course, there are exceptions. Of, of course, if you work in public safety, you're probably going to take stress home with you. But in general, even teachers who bring work home to grade, it's not necessarily the same stress that a, a, a CEO or a entrepreneur is going to bring home with them. And so that's why I'm saying th- people like that, people like me, tend to be more of, an, of a, that personality that's going to bring the work home. And so once you no longer have work, wow, now what? What are you going to do? You better find something that's going to fill that time and that mental space up. Otherwise, you'll, you'll go completely bonkers. It, it's, it's almost a uniquely American thing to identify what we do and confuse it with who we are. 
Um, yes. That's not true. That's not true in, in other parts of the world. And and while I don't necessarily agree with you that that uh, C suites are um, maybe higher stressors than others, I, I think stress is relative. And whatever field you're in, trying to be the best at what you do is always going to create some stress, even if you're not bringing home files, so to speak. But nonetheless, I do think there's this tendency when someone says, you know, tell me about yourself, that the first thing you say is, I'm an accountant. I'm a chiropractor, and that's not really who you are. It's just what you do. And so if, yes. you, if you, well, if you tie your identity to what you do, the day you stop doing it, your identity's gone. You're so what right. You say, well, what do you do? I do nothing. Well, but who are <laughs> I you? I watch TV. Who, who, right. Who are you? Well, you're not nothing. You're not Oprah and Shuffleboard. What are you? You know, are you, are you, are you a, a, a parent, a grandparent, uh, a sibling, a friend, a volunteer? Um, a, 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 what, what, who are you? Forget what you are. What you are is just a job, even if it's a calling. I who agree. Who are you? You know, and it, it gets lost. That, oh, you're so right. So right. Have you found that during this COVID-19, people are starting to find out what they can be, if not just their job because that's what's happening with me you know I I started doing my art again and I did the I did a couple of pictures with colored pencils and when I came back even though I've only done these three pictures people in where I live they were you know starting to really get restless because it had been a while before we had been allowed to see other people and so I contacted my art club, which is part of our community. I live in Adele Webb, one of those giant 55 and older sun cities, and said, hey, I'm willing to teach this class, you know, a, be- a beginning colored pencil-, pencil class via Zoom. And the last class will be coming up pretty soon. And so now I'm starting to identify as an artist. And... It's really interesting because I may have opened up the possibility. Now the other art teachers want to do virtual classes because they're all afraid of doing in-person classes now. So this actually might be a permanent thing, even after COVID-19 has found a solution. Because we humans are really good at finding solutions to problems. I do believe that a solution will be found. I don't know when. But even after the solution is found, the people in my art club, there are some people who still work, or maybe they have something to do during that time period of that particular art class. So this virtual world that, we're li- that we are now living in can have vast opportunities for all of us. It, it, it can. I think, um, I, I think what COVID specifically has done um, and what social distancing has done and what various quarantines and lockdowns have done um, has really separated the haves from the have-nots in profound ways. There are some people whose lives have either not been impacted terribly, financially or otherwise, or whose lives have in some ways improved their relationships with their spouse or their kids or their, or their health. Or I mean, there, there are people who are truly thriving in this environment and there are other people who are struggling in ways that uh, you know fortunately perhaps you and i are not struggling in and i i really do think that the gap is widening between those who have a lot of choice and those who don't 
and that's that's troubling. And while it, it, while it's it's definitely going to change a lot of things, there are um, there are folks who work in various industries who now realize they can work remotely, which is great. I think it's terrific. There are other folks in other industries who can't work remotely, either because they're in certain types of medicine or because they're doing some kind of manufacturing or there's lots of reasons why sometimes you have to work with your hands. You have to be, you have to be in the trenches, so to speak. Um, but remote work is going to have a very, very big ripple effect on communities. Because well, for, you, for brought, those folks, you brought up a, a good point. Yeah, go ahead. You go know, ahead, it, that now we've got the haves and the have-nots. And that's been happening over time, but it's really evident now. And I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I'm hoping that people who have been living beyond their means now realize that, yes, we should, we do need to get out of debt. And yes, we need to save for a rainy day. And we've been having the rainy day now for several months. Um, I hope that if and when things get back to normal, because I don't know if things will ever get back to normal. I mean, after 9-11, the whole travel industry changed. We used to be able to exchange tickets. Do you remember back in um, the 80s, 90s, when you could buy an airline ticket and give it to somebody else to use? Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, my my school used to do that for our school clubs. They would buy the tickets early so that they would get the discount and use anybody's name and then just whoever wanted to use the ticket could use it. Those, I mean, there are people listening to this episode who can't even fathom what that would be like because they're too young. They didn't live in that world. So it could be that the world is irrevocably changed in ways that we don't know yet. I'm hoping that it's for the better. Um, but of course, for me, when I don't like going to an airport two hours in advance and getting, you know, the pat down and walking through the machine where people can see me naked on the other end. I don't like those things, but I've gotten used to it because we humans are resilient. You know, this is why we we are where we are. We are able to accept change. I just hope that the people who have been so badly hit, you know, the, the, you know, the restaurant workers, the people who were living paycheck to paycheck, I hope that they can come out of this maybe with a different view of being able to maybe get a different job that, that helps them towards their goals. Um, I, I don't know, you know, even though I'm one of the lucky ones that I mean, I was hit financially, don't get me wrong. When the stock market took that 30, 33% uh, downturn, whatever it was, we were scared. But we also had our life set up to where if it did do that, we would still be okay. Not everybody can say that. Not everybody's that lucky to be able to have that position themselves that way. Not everyone has the ability um, to do that. I, I don't know that there's a, a single solution here. I think this is going to be um, multi-headed, multifaceted. I, I, I worry about those folks in the middle class who may never recover from this. You know, much like much like the the folks who were nearing retirement in 2008 
who hadn't positioned themselves for a black swan event and really never recovered or who panic sold, who panic sold in November of 08 and will never recover. Um, You know, I, I think about even, even on a lesser scale, those folks who were in the late nineties who were grossly overweighted in technology and just got thumped when Y2K happened and the grid didn't, yeah, when the, when the grid didn't go down, you know, when, when, when March came in 2000 and no one needed computers again for three years, there was a, a problem for people in that world. Um, I, I, I think there's going to be a, a sea change in where people live. I think what's going to happen ultimately is this is going to change neighborhoods. And I don't know that we're going to get back to normal and maybe that's okay. Maybe there are some things about normal that weren't healthy. I'll tell you what, I've canceled 18 flights in this calendar year. I went from being a road warrior to being home for like lots of people and I don't miss it. I bet your 10 year old doesn't miss it either. She doesn't. And, and so this has been that the positives coming out of this are the technology has brought us closer to people. We're more efficient than we've ever been. Companies, big companies, especially are going to run more efficiently and better than they've ever run before. However, that will mean the need for less people. And so when you have an unemployment event like we're having now and you have the small used restaurants, that's a perfect example. I, I've seen folks who say as many as 85% of independent restaurants aren't going to survive this. Well, that's a horrible outcome, um, not only for the people who work in those restaurants, but for the public in general who like to, like to dine in different restaurants and so forth. So um, I, I, th- I think we're going to see a lot more remote work. It is now possible it is now possible to work in New York City, but to live in Iowa and not have to hop on an airplane. And so the costs of living are more controllable. The, the areas, as long as you have Wi-Fi, you're in business. And so if, if, we, if we work on the infrastructure, some of the infrastructure I think we need to work on as a company is the tech infrastructure and making sure everyone has access to the same type of, of quality of, of, of Wi-Fi. Because it used to be, used to be that the, the folks who had the, the automobile could, could get to work more easily than the folks who had to catch a bus. And that was true, and it's still true in a lot of ways. But now I think it's going to be, are you on the superhighway or not? And if you don't have that resource, you're really in trouble. So some of the infrastructure work may have less to do with bridges and tunnels and more to do with, with um, bandwidth. But we'll see. You're so right. None of us know the answers. None of us know what's coming. Um, frankly, I'm glad I don't have a crystal ball. It would make tomorrow less less um, less exciting. You know, <laughs> I, I, some of it I don't want to know. I just want to navigate through it. So, Kathy, we we are nearing the end of our show. I, I wish we weren't because I, there's so many more things I want to ask you, and maybe we'll get a chance to do that again sometime. But um, for right now, we're at the point in our show where we need an extra credit assignment. And you, you've thrown so much out at us about not only the normal and the quote-unquote new normal, um, but, but about finding purpose and about maintaining health and about making good decisions. And, and you've really shared a wealth of, of knowledge with us. What would the one extra credit assignment be for our listeners, something that people could do immediately or at least begin immediately to rock their retirement? I would say that you need to put together your own sort of roadmap of how you want your life to improve. And I would say the number one thing for me would have been that purpose area. That's really where I needed to figure out what my purpose was. And for your listener, that might be their health. You know, it might be, hey, I need to work on my health. I actually put together a little... um, 
journal for people who want to work on these things. You can find it on Amazon. It's called the Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal. But you can go to rockyourretirement.com slash journal, and it'll take you right to the Amazon link. Um, you don't have to buy my book, though. You can do this yourself. Basically, the, the book is just uh, a little five five minutes a day. You jot down what you want to work on that day. And then at the end of the day, you jot down what, you know, how it went. For me, you know, one thing that I need to work on is a relationship with a one particular family member. And it's tough because we've had our differences in the past. But that's not the, you know, every listener is going to have a different main thing that they want to work on that's going to help them rock their retirement that's going to help them, you know, graduate, as you say. And so I would say, write that list and work on it five minutes a day. You know, that would that would be my, my homework. <laughs> that's, that's great advice. And I think a lot of people are going to be buying small notebooks and putting them on their nightstand. I can I get the sense you're, you're onto something. And I do hope people will check out your book. It's at rockyourretirement.com slash journal. Is that right? Yep, and that'll take you to the Amazon Perfect. site. Perfect. Well, I hope people will check out your book. Uh, it's a great idea. And, and Kathy, uh, I, I want to thank you for, for being on the show. Uh, for our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast, post comments and reviews, and consider sending us a question, which we might answer in a future episode of Office Hours. For more, go to DontRetireGraduate.com. To learn more about BFG Financial Advisors, visit us on social media or at BFGFA.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours, and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.